Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly podcast from Luther Seminary to discuss everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Cameron Howard. I'm Catherine Schipperdecke. And joining us today is Alan Paget, who is a professor of systematic theology here at Luther. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. It's good to be here. And welcome, Catherine. Welcome back. Um, you used to co-host this with Eric, who is out this month, so we're glad to have you here. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, so, Alan, we're talking uh, this month about how the Bible influences ethics, and um, we're talking, we're looking at the, the essay that you wrote, and I want to uh, highlight one part of it um, as we start out here. You say, not every part of the Bible is ethical. It's not a moral textbook. So wisdom is needed to discern when a story or teaching should be taken to heart, and we use Christ as a guide here. So I'm thinking about people who, uh, when they're asked, what is the Bible, they'll often respond, many people will, will respond something like, uh, the Bible is, is a moral textbook. It's, it's a guide about how we should live. There's even, I've heard a, um, a kind of play on the letters that make up the word Bible. Uh, some, some Christians of a certain stripe will say Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. So, you know, which is kind of cute. But all of this seems to say, yeah, you open the Bible, you read the Bible in order to find out how you should live. Um, and yet you're, you're claiming here that not every part is ethical. It's not a moral textbook. Can you say more about how we use the Bible then for sure. ethics? Sure. Well, I'll start with an analogy, and then I'll also talk about uh, the attitude of reading. So uh, the, the attitude of reading that a Christian brings to Scripture that's interested in discipleship and worship and uh, mission uh, that's not the same attitude that we bring to other books. And so one of the things that flows out of a worshipful reading of Scripture is we t- receive the whole thing as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the, the whole thing we understand to be the book of Christ, or Christ is somehow at the center of our reading of it. But but here's the analogy. It shouldn't mean that we look for Jesus in every verse. Mm-hmm. That's actually a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because many verses are not about Jesus at all. So to say it's the book of Christ is not to say every single part of it has Jesus in it somehow. Uh, I think it means something else. In part, for example, God the Son, as the living word of God, is uh, insp- working through the Holy Spirit to inspire uh, the production, editing, collection, canonization of these biblical texts as a gift to us for a purpose. But John 20, for example, says the purpose is that you believe, mm-hmm. not so that you will follow all these rules mm-hmm. or you will have all these moral instructions. Mm-hmm. And that believing you may live in his name. So, I mean, we live in the name of Christ. We want it to be a moral guide. But if we reduce it in two ways, one, we reduce the Bible to nothing more than a moral guidebook. Mm -hmm. We're making a mistake. Mm -hmm. God actually gives us scripture. And here I'm speaking out of the whole Christian tradition for 2,000 years, the theologians, doctors uh, of the church, the mothers and fathers of the church. Uh, It's not just my view. It's sort of the standard theological view of these matters. We don't read... Jesus into every part of the scripture, and we don't reduce scripture to nothing more than a moral guide. If we eliminate that part, we're also making a huge mistake. So, I mean, there's something right about 
basic instructions <laughs> before leaving, leaving Earth, yeah. you know, or maybe. But uh, if, if that's all the Bible is, we're missing a huge amount that God wants for our lives. So I guess that's my the short answer. Is partly that is true, but um, we, it's a guide for life when read as a whole with a larger purpose in mind. Yeah. And there are obviously moral examples in the Bible that we don't want to follow. I mean, oh, yeah. Pretty much every person in Genesis, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or first and second. King. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks uh, for that. It's not. It's not uh, when we reduce it to to saying it's basic instructions or it's a moral guidebook. Then we we lose the richness of all of what scripture is mm-hmm. and is meant to be for mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah, and that there are lots of different kinds of literature in scripture. So mm-hmm. it doesn't all even present itself as some sort of list of rules or mm-hmm. um, characteristics. Mm-hmm. But while we're talking acronyms like B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> That's the about, book for me. <laughs> Amen. What about WWJD? Um, what Uh-oh. would Jesus do? Uh-huh. So you talk in your essay about emulating the character of Christ. Is WWJD a good question to ask when we come to Scripture? A better question, I think. Well, let me start. WWJD is understood to be almost like a a slavish imitation of the activities of Jesus. And that's because in our culture, we think morality is about following rules. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is actually ethics is a lot more complicated than that. We're a lot more complicated human beings and just following rules. And uh, I, I think that the ethics of Jesus and his various teachings makes most sense when you think about virtues and vices and character, moral character. So a better question might be, what would Jesus want us to be in this place? Be honest, be loving, be compassion. Rather than, I'm going to copy the activities of Jesus in somehow parallel with something that happened in the Gospels. That's probably a mistaken way to use. Uh, Sheldon actually came up with this some time ago, In His Steps. Uh, That's where it comes from, this old 19th century novel. Mm -hmm. But... um, I think that that idea is uh, better understood as character and virtue. You want to display the virtue and character of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and through faith in God in our daily lives. That I totally agree with. I'm going to copy and do exactly what Jesus says. I mean, you'd be plucking out your eye, chopping off your hand, doing all sorts of things that if you just think these are rules, you're making a mistake. Now, do you need rules? Of course. There's the Ten Commandments. There's the two greatest commandments. I mean, there's all these rules in Scripture, too. But I don't think the ethics of Jesus in the Gospels is primarily about rules. Well, and the activities that Jesus did day to day uh, (laughs) are a lot different than the activities we do day to day. I mean, if you want to ask, you know, would, you know, what would Jesus do? would he tweet during church or something like that? <laughs> Probably <know>. not. But <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Well, right. How, how do we so. navigate that, uh-huh. that question when we have no real sort of analogy uh, mm-hmm. in terms of activity, mm-hmm. as you say? There's some things we can say that are similar, like paying taxes. Mm-hmm. There's a great story about Jesus, yeah. and he pays the tax. In fact, he sends Peter. He gets, now, he got a miraculous catch of fish with a coin in his mouth. I have to actually <laughs> dig into my waddle to pay my tax. But um, the point, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing there that you can sure. ever compare if you're careful and thoughtful about it. 
The problem is we don't like careful and thoughtful so much. We just want... Just want the black and white answers. I want the black and white. Yeah. And basically, in terms of ethics, we like just, you know, steps, rules, yeah. you know, things like that. I like rules. <laughs> you, you emphasize in your essay um, the, the place of community yes. in moral guidance and ethical decisions. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little more about that? You talk about moral character. What can we practice in order to develop moral character? That's a, that's a great question, and it really gets at the complexity of what it means to follow Jesus in the world of morality or in, our, in all of life, in religion, spirituality. Um, in the work life, in our family, everything. And uh, I've become convinced through studying, you know, the social sciences, cognitive sciences, things like that, that uh, even the understanding of moral rules, we need a community to help us understand how and what those rules mean. Mm-hmm. And good people that we trust and we follow and we see what they do with it and then we realize, oh, that's what it means uh, not to commit adultery. That's what it means not to covet. That's what it means to put God first before all other gods. And Oh, I get it now, and it helps, okay, even if you just focus on rules. But clearly and obviously, if you focus on moral characters, we need people with good moral characters to help mediate our moral uh, principles, our ultimate understanding of what makes a habit evil and what makes it good. And, and what makes it not matter? Uh, I think that that principle of sort of having um, community to help us interpret is so important. I mean, if we take an example like "Thou shalt not kill" from the Ten Commandments, well, mm. it seems you know, is it simply "Don't kill anybody"? Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, end of life questions? You know, mm-hmm. um, that simple rule doesn't get at the complexity of every situation we face. So everything's interpretable. I think we kind of, you know, we want to hang up the Ten Commandments or um, other sort of biblical Mm. passages or laws, like Mm. like if we just read them and everybody reads them, then we all come to the same conclusions, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It reminds me of when we, um, when Congress had the Constitution read, do you remember this? It was a few years ago and there was this frustration um, that no one was agreeing about what the Constitution meant. And so time was taken on the floor of Congress to read the Constitution out loud, as if if we just read it with feeling, <laughs> we'd all come to the same mm-hmm. conclusions about what those laws mean. But there's always this interpretation for our sacred texts as well. Well, I think one answer to that, too, is not only to look at the present community, but also look and see how the people of God in those ancient days understood and lived out these t- commandments. Mm-hmm. So how did ancient Israel live out, thou shalt not kill? Mm-hmm. Um, how did the early church live out, thou shalt not kill? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. The thing is, is it's not, you, what we want is something that's gold-plated, absolutely sure the right answer. Right. And you know what? There's just not a lot about, you know, okay, murdering babies for fun is evil. I think we could all agree on that. But, you know, the complexity, real questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that happen to people that we have to think about whether it's right or wrong, not the ones that are everybody has a moral everybody knows it. Yeah. gut tells right. them, oh, my gosh, yeah. this is horrible. Right. Uh, those are the ones where, you know, there probably isn't just a nice 
simple rule or one overall principle, whether you want to be love or justice, uh, that's going to always give us the right answer without having to worry and think about it too much. So the community involves not just mm -hmm. those in our church or those mm -hmm. in our neighborhood or whatever, but it involves um, the community of saints through the ages. Mm -hmm. All the way back, I think, to those people in Genesis that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did they do it? Right. Is yeah. there something different about Christian morality from other mm. morality? I mean, we all know that people can be moral without being Christian, for sure. Do we? So, well, <laughs> maybe we don't. Good question. But, uh, yeah. Is there uh, something distinctive about Christian yeah. morality? I think I have to say yes and yes to your question um, and put it into two parts. Is there something distinctive about Christianity? Yes. Are there many parts of Christian uh, faith that lead to an ethic of life that are similar to other great religions or to people that have no um, official belief in God or gods? Yes, of course. So the question maybe might be, um, what aspect of the Christian uh, ethic is different from just good, solid, humanistic ethics, you know, that you could maybe work out on different bases or from different perspectives? And the thing that, things that relate directly to God and our relationship to God are either unique or very distinctive. Like you'll have no other gods before the Lord, you know, the unpronounceable name of God, the Lord God Almighty. You know. I always like to tease my Old Testament scholars, and since you both are, I'm going to throw this in, but, you know, Jehovah. Yeah, <laughs> not the right name right at all. It's yeah. completely yeah. wrong. We'll have to take that up in a different podcast. Yeah, we're going to just That's delete right. that whole part. <laughs> no, I, uh, so, okay, that, that God is a distinctive God's name, and we put that God first. That's distinctive, and it's the first of the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's distinctive. But uh, for Christians especially, I think it's, the, when you base your ethics on character, you need models. You need actual, living, real human beings. Jesus Christ is that model for us. I mean, more than any other human being that ever has lived or that lives or ever will live. And that leads to certain distinctives that make the virtues of the Christian faith different from the virtues of Homer, the virtues of Aristotle, the virtues of Confucius, the virtues of Wall Street. They're different. So that's what the difference is. Yeah. Thanks so much, Alan. And thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find out more at enterthebible.org. Join us again.